Well, it's all about the lightweights tonight. The number three ranked Charles Dubronx Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler. And if you don't know, let us tell you, the new champ of the world. It is Dubronx, Charles Oliveira getting it done. A second round stoppage of Michael Chandler. Um, and it was after a first round that saw the Brazilian in really deep trouble. Uh, he, he looked like uh, Chandler had made a statement. And this is one thing, Ray, that we talk a lot about uh, in mixed martial arts and sports in general. It's momentum. And when you get momentum uh, on your side, it is incredibly uh, you know, valuable. But Charles Oliveira did not have momentum on his side to start round number two. And he didn't care. He just took momentum and took the title in the process. Yeah, but he did have the momentum of beating Ferguson and uh, Kevin Lee. And that's that's the thing. And I think when we speak of momentum, I think that's the one thing that when we looked at that fight at the beginning, that's the one thing Gray Maynard didn't have, man. And I'll tell you, worse than not having the momentum, he felt he was robbed in one of those fights. And I, I really believe we've seen this with Johnny Hendricks. We've seen this with... What Gray Maynard, psychologically, I think they turn off a little bit. As much as they might not want to think so, I, I believe there's a psychological thing that happens and it's hard for them to get back, period. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do. So the momentum of of that, I think, is different than because Oliveira did have great momentum going into this fight. He had to overcome adversity uh, in the first round, but, man, he got that right back. So and that that's the thing too. There was also momentum on the side of one Michael Chandler, who you see yeah. him doing, you know, flips at, in one of the most memorable UFC debuts uh, you'll ever see, as he knocked out Dan Hooker. Um, but but again, it, it's a sport that you know they they were articulating uh, this in the commentary booth after the fight. This is a sport where it really doesn't matter what you did in the last round. You know, when you go into a new round, it is a new fight in a lot of ways. And this was really one thing that I'll walk away with looking at Charles Oliveira is a testament to really why he's dangerous. Because in that first round, he did get the back uh, of Michael Chandler. And that's where I really thought that Oliveira would be dangerous if he got this fight to the floor, if he drugged the fight to deeper waters. This is a man that will grab your neck and take it home. He'll take home an arm. He's not afraid to attack your legs uh, on the floor with with leg locks. He'll also uh, piece you up on the feet. But uh, again, what he did to Michael Chandler was, I I don't know if Chandler seemed to think that he was running away with it or it was, you know, a a comfortable matchup, but uh, Charles Oliveira reminded him real quick, look, you can't ever be comfortable in this octagon with me, and, you know, he slept him. Yeah, 100%. Look, and even in the uh, first round when he had the body triangle, and look how explosive Michael Chandler is, man. He explodes out, and if you go back and look, a normal person gets on board, turning right. around. Oliveira went for it, yep. but this guy, I guess he was already sweating and he was explosive and he maybe was waiting for it. He got out of there, but hats off to Chandler for even surviving that. And that's, again, where the momentum may be that part where that the thing you're really good at, you don't get, and you had it down there for a couple of minutes, that could have broke him. I'm really impressed with uh, Oliveira in this fight. I think, you know, the fact that he's the champ now, there's going to be a growing fight for him. On that part where everybody, you know, wasn't sure, will he break? These are the problems he's had in the past. This could be a big, this could be a huge thing for him. It'll be interesting to see his next fight, but great performance, great comeback. Uh, Again, and he was only hurt at the end, you know, like like you were saying. You know, he did have position uh, during that fight where uh, he could have ended it, but, you know, hats off to Chandler, man. He did a great job defensively. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about Charles Oliveira in in the idea of you know what he did tonight, and you know when it look when you look at mixed martial arts, there are times when people say you don't necessarily get what you deserve in the sport. There are a lot of guys that can point to certain situations, like for example, Michael Chandler getting a title fight in just his second UFC uh, appearance, that this might not be a meritocracy at times, but winning solves everything. And for Charles Oliveira, you look at his bio, Ray, and it's like, it's insane. You know, he becomes the 11th undisputed UFC lightweight champion, but it goes back to his UFC debut in 2010. He, he fought on a UFC uh, live card on Versus. Uh, I was in the Valley View Event Center that night in San Diego. Ray, I don't remember Charles Oliveira fighting that night, but he did. He beat uh, Darren Elkins, and, you know, he he's had a career that has gone, you know, a variety of different 
places. He's had ups. He's had downs. He's fought at yep. featherweight. He's you know gone back up to, to lightweight. He actually fought against moving up to lightweight for the longest time. He he seemed to be dead set on the idea that he was a 145-pounder, despite the weight cut being really hard on him. Uh, but now he's he's the best uh, you know lightweight on the planet. A little bit of an asterisk in the fact that Khabib was never beaten, but he walked away. So we can't really factor him in the uh, you know decision now of, of who the greatest uh, lightweight on the planet is. And uh, for me, I, I, like, don't get me wrong. I love the personality of Michael Chandler. He's a good guy. I, I was ready to yes. debate that the next matchup for Michael Chandler should be Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for the nicest guy in the sport <laughs> title. But I, part of me feels really good for someone like Charles Oliveira to, to realize oh, cool. the dream. Of course, I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia that you don't know. Either. Right. I don't think you know. I'm going to say 10, 12 years ago, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, Oliveira fought on the ring of combat. Really? He fought for me and, me and my partner, Lou Negley, and he fought a real tough kid from Long Island, Dom Stanko. And if I tell you, TJ, he almost decapitated this kid. I never seen anything like it. At that point, I said, man, he, he's... This kid's definitely going to be something. And then he did have ups and downs, and I didn't think so. But then he, he went back to prove me wrong again tonight. But, yeah, he fought at the ring of combat. They brought him in. He was from Brazil. Nobody knew nothing about him. And I'm telling you, he stopped a really tough guy in the first or second round, and it was, and it was pretty violent. Uh, uh, look at so, this. Yeah, hey, crazy, hey. crazy, crazy. So it's great to see things go come to fruition for yeah. him. And again, like you say – Ups, downs, Frankie beat him at 45, Felder beat him at 55. I mean, he had a couple of losses that, you know, you thought maybe he should have won, but he he stayed the course, and that is really, really important, and he never lost belief in himself, and that's why he's a champion today. God bless him. Touch over 12 years ago, Ray Longo. You're sharp as a tack. It was... Was it, uh, was it 12 or 12? Yeah, it was April 17, 2009. Uh, and I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, crazy. And Dude, he was he was violent in that fight. I'm telling you. And I'm looking. You're right. Like dead on. Right with everything you said. He'd never fought in the states. He'd only fought regionally. Had yeah. one jungle fight, and then was fighting on something called Predator FC. So Ray yeah. Longo, you you've been on the uh, uh, maybe not necessarily bandwagon, but you've been in the know on Dubronx for uh, quite yeah. a long time. Um, yeah. There was a guy. There was a guy in Florida. TJ used to bring him in because I had another guy. Believe it or not, I looked when I had Aya Quinta first started out. He got off it to fight Edson Barboza in the ring of combat, and I I looked at it and the guy had so many tie fights. I I passed on it, and then maybe a year or two later, he fought another guy from the gym, and he another violent knockout for Barboza. But these were guys that were coming over from Brazil, and we put them on the card. They were fantastic. And they both looked to see them still here today is right. crazy. I mean, this is a sport that, you know, they were talking about it with, with Tony Ferguson. Like, this is a young man's game. And to yeah. have uh, a decade-long run in, in the UFC, that's that's very hard. I mean, look yeah. at Charles Oliveira, what he's done in a decade. And then think about someone like Cole Miller, who fought a decade in, in the UFC. And, and Charles Oliveira is where Cole Miller was at the end of his UFC run. And yeah, exactly. Charles Oliveira is just, you know, coming into his own. And that's what's really sort of scary about it, Ray, is when you are looking at the rest of the division and and you know someone's gonna carve themselves out to be the number one contender they're gonna fight Charles Oliveira and you know stylistically they're gonna have an idea but can you be confident in how you attack Charles Oliveira because the guy is a savage on the feet dangerous on the floor and the guy's a finisher too again look at his bio here he's won 10 of his last 11 fights he's finished eight of his last nine opponents and 28 of his 31 wins come by way of stoppage so it's like yeah. you, you like Michael Chandler, I'm I'm not saying that he got comfortable with with Charles yeah. Oliveira because I don't think that's necessarily the case. But uh, everyone's going to look at this fight in particular, I think, moving forward and go, look, if I have success with Charles Oliveira, do not for a second take your foot off the gas. And TJ, bring up a great point because we kind of forgot about Oliveira for a little while. But yeah. when you put those stats up, right. those are phenom phenomenal stats. 28 out of 31 people he stopped. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, so, man. It, it's it's bonkers. And that's one thing, too, when I think about Charles Oliveira and I think about the evolution of mixed martial arts and where we are here in 2021, 
it's been a little while since we've had the long lording champion from Brazil like an Anderson Silva. I wonder if Charles Oliveira can carve a place out for himself and become one of these superstars representing what, you know, a lot of people believe is the, the homeland of mixed martial arts competition in, in Valley Tudo. Can Charles Oliveira be the next big Brazilian uh, mixed martial arts star? Uh, so far, so good. If he hasn't done enough uh, to win you over, uh, I, I think tonight uh, might be the, the cherry on top uh, to, to get you over that uh, hurdle of, of looking at Dubronx as a, as a real mainstream star. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, Anderson had that style where he could hit you, not get hit, like right. uh, you know, that's like true. Adesanya. So that's gonna that helps with longevity. Uh, I don't see that with him, but he. I mean, he's got. You know, you got to remember too. Even when uh, when Chris fought Anderson, like they would compare, like, well, look what he did to Bonner. I go, Chris ain't Bonner. Like Weidman's a different cat at that point. You know what I mean? So. This guy's got murderous row in the 55 pound. Oh, he's not gonna, he's not going to see an easy fight TJ forever. No, like I, forever. I still There's believe five guys. Yeah. I, horrible, crazy. I, I still believe 155 pounds is the most talented division in mixed martial arts. It's just there's not an easy fight and I'm not just talking about the top 10. Uh, I'm talking the top 25, honestly. Seriously. I mean, just think of the fights that are coming up plus, you know, uh throw Gaethje in there, Gaethje, Dustin fighting McGregor. I mean, just those three alone, right right there, you got a, a great fight without even looking any further. Those are three fights in a row you could make that'll be barn burners. That's without even touching anybody else. Right. I mean, you talk about it, uh, you know, and Benil Dariush now is someone we need to apparently factor in in the top five as well yeah. because he beats Tony Ferguson. And, and when I look at this, these lightweight rankings, um, I'm serious. Like, Dan Hooker is still very much a, a dangerous individual among these names as well. These were the uh, rankings coming into tonight. Obviously, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, vacated the title. So now that uh, Gold C belongs to Charles Oliveira. Era, but you mentioned Gaethje, uh, Poirier is going to fight uh, Conor McGregor. I mean, RDA. Now, granted, nobody's really saying that Rafael Dos Anjos should be fighting for a title uh, anytime soon. But look at him. He, he's still a guy, Ray, that isn't going to go away. There, there are no easy outs at 155. No. And uh, I love it. I, I love the fact that, you know, a, a champion like Khabib can walk away and we're not at a loss for you know who could carry this division moving forward there's four or five guys yeah and, and four or five really exciting fights just like this one tonight 100 percent uh our co-main event also by the way uh in the lightweight division and i guess you know maybe i need to ask your opinion on this the number five ranked tony ferguson taking on Benil dariush uh when you look at at dariush here ray um I i've I've kind of been a critic of his in the past when I look at the big moments that he's had in his career because he hasn't been able to cash in when he is a favorite over a, uh, you know, established name. It's just it's tough to get the wins. I mean, that's more of a testament to this division than the talent of Benil Dariush. But tonight he does cash in on the biggest win uh, of his career. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a stoppage of Tony Ferguson, but let's be honest. If Tony Ferguson wasn't Tony Ferguson, he taps that leg lock. We were, we're oh, talking about God. a stoppage. But Neil Darius is the real deal. It's the biggest win of his career. Did he do enough to maybe carve himself out as, you know, the winner of, you know, maybe Poirier and McGregor or, or does he fight a, a gate? Like, where does Benil Darius, you know, stack up as far as, you know, rankings are considered obviously top five but is he enough to maybe say that he should fight charles Oliveira next uh, uh me he I, I think he said it and i agree with him give him a title eliminator sure i mean i think this kid's got momentum he's a he's a sweetheart he's an intelligent dude uh and like he said he didn't call out Oliveira. he said give me in a title eliminator right. which which means I love his attitude. He wants to work for it. And he knows, he, I, I thought he was very articulate. Well, you know who I am now. He needed that name, I think. And yeah, he, they, they have to give him a big fight. He deserves it. He earned it. And I think uh, he's, you know, I think he's coming into his own. You know, I like the way he even fought this fight. He, he imposed his will with what he wanted to do against a guy that, like, again, Two years ago, we thought he'd submit uh, Khabib on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, look, he went right until the, uh, 
you know, the lair of the dragon or whatever that saying is. And he, right. he, he, I think he put, I thought, listen, you know, I hope they were booing because they like Tony because that was a great fight and a great performance. And it was dominant against a guy that, again, people couldn't stop talking about. He's Ray Longo. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. We are just minutes removed uh, from the culmination uh, of UFC 262. I'm looking uh, at our chat. Uh, Chad Mulligan says, TJ, I love you, but uh, I want to see Pearl. Pearl's not here, Chad. Sorry. <laughs> it's just me and Longo, and hopefully yeah, that's yeah, enough right. because there's there's plenty but, to talk about. But, TJ, we're dropping pearls of knowledge. That's but, what he has to understand. Know, God, you're a genius. We where the hell is Pearl right now? She's moving. Like, uh, she came back to San Diego today to pack up the rest of her stuff and bring it back out to Brooklyn. Wow. So she's really liking Brooklyn. I guess. Wow. I guess. I mean, uh, what's not to like? She's she's near, uh, you know, Ray Longo. She can go get some uh, pad work in. <laughs> very close. She's very close. Let's talk a little bit about Tony Ferguson because that's one thing that I saw a little bit tonight on on social media. People were almost uh, dismissing this win a little bit on behalf of Benil Dariush because of how Tony has looked in his last couple fights. This is his third straight loss. Uh, you know, obviously was was really handled by um, Charles Oliveira last time out, and then the the Gaethje fight before that was a fight that on that night uh, after Gaethje won, we're talking about it potentially being a fight that does. change change a fighter uh, for the rest of their career. Um, you know, so far, it, it does seem like Tony Ferguson hasn't been the same fighter he was prior uh, to the Gaethje fight, but let's not take away anything from Benil Dariush's win because Tony Ferguson, he's a different type of human being. He's a very tough fighter, and when you get a win over him, Ray, I don't care if it's the third straight loss of his uh, career, it still says something about you as, as a person. And Tony Ferguson, maybe he's not going to march his way back to a title fight right away in the UFC. But as long as he's fighting in the octagon, uh, he's very tough to get past. And, you know, Benil Dariush deserves all the credit in the world for doing so. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't take anything away. I mean, I hear what the guy's saying. Uh, it's, a, it's a point, you know, but Dariush, not, not everybody could do that to Ferguson. But I, I think Ferguson's problems are so much deeper than even the uh, Gaethje fight, TJ. I don't There's something... Look, we I, look. I like him, man. He's always been a nice guy, but he's he's. There's something off. This this, and I'm, I'm. You know me as a corner guy and as a guy who gets close to his fights. I, I'm I'm a. I hate when people just slop together corners. Uh, and I, like even Freddie Roach, who obviously is a great boxing trainer. What is Freddie Roach going to do for that guy? Right. I mean, you know, it, it's it's sad because when you start looking. Like, I've, I've, look, I've had people come to me. I tell them, you know, like, what do you think, six weeks, two months? I mean, you, you're like a two-year project. I'll look at them right away. Like, and then people, because I have, like, a reputation and, you know, but it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? As much as I love Freddie Roach, the fact that he's even thinking that Freddie could help him right. in a couple of months is not the mindset that you want. I didn't recognize one guy in the corner. Uh, so he's not looking at himself as the problem. He's looking at everybody else. And as a coach, I absolutely can't stand that because that, that shows that the guy's character, there's something very, very off. I, even when they were announcing the winner, you could see he wasn't clapping. Right. And he almost was looking, TJ, like, is it a possibility? Maybe they gave it to me. Like something was way off, like where he should have been happy. And I'm, I think he was afterwards. Like I think once he thought about it. But uh, he needs a. I, I do look. He's a super talented dude. He needs an intervention. But Dean Dean Thomas hit it right on the head tonight. TJ he said, you know, he's used to being wild and crazy. And then when that 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 leaves you, and you have no basics, uh, you know, he just doesn't look like. I mean, he leads with his head at this stage of the game. It's not. It's not looking good. And he's not willing to change because. He's willing to change everything but himself. Right. I, I, and I'm not saying that in a, a bad way. I'm not taking a shot at him. It's, it actually comes from a, a, a spot of concern, to be honest with you. But Well, th uh, that's one thing that I will say you, I think you're really uh, on the right track with when you say he, he's, he's changing 
everything except maybe the one thing he needs to change. And that's one thing that I do see sometimes with, with veterans uh, at this point in their career. You know, they have a good, solid group of guys in the come up, and then a couple of things go wrong, and then they just start pointing fingers. And maybe it's the yeah. mindset of a fighter, Ray, to go, like, look, I'm not the problem. I'm, you know, I'm always yeah. optimistic. You know, that that's you have to be a bit delusional at times to go out there yeah. and fight, you know, the best in the world. You know, when you're the seven to one underdog, conventional wisdom will tell you, look, you're not going to win this fight, but you go out there and you still fight and believe in yourself. Otherwise, you don't have a chance in hell. Now, Tony Ferguson yeah. was not a seven to one underdog by any means, but where was Eddie Bravo? You know, he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, where ben, was he? Ben, ben Saunders was in his corner tonight. That's a 10th Planet guy. Oh, I didn't see Ben there. Was he the guy talking? He was. You couldn't see him because oh, wow. he had the mask on. He didn't uh, lower the I mask. I couldn't see that. But, but still, I mean, and Ben Saunders is a, a fantastic, uh, you know, fighter and, and coach and teammate. Great, great but, guy. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, Tony Ferguson was was built by Eddie Bravo. I I don't right. I don't know what their relationship is or but I mean that's the thing too. Tony seems to you know outwardly project an image of being very assertive and sometimes, you know, on the outside looking in, it looks to be rash. Now if it worked, everybody would be calling him a genius, but it didn't work tonight, so of course you, you have the critics, but I don't know what is next for, for Tony Ferguson. Clearly, he needs to, you know, go back to the drawing board. But you can't completely tear down the house to, to right. still look and, and be the fighter that we all not, not admire. A, not up. at this stage of the game. And, and TJ, I've been around a long time. I mean, the first time Matt lost after the championship, you know, the idiots that came out of the woodwork. He would tell me, he goes, look, you can't say nothing because he knows I would go absolutely fucking ape shit. But you got to promise me you're not going to say enough. But then he would tell me, like, guys, some guys that I knew, the stupidity they were saying was like, wow, this is it's a fucking jungle out there. And that's right. what happens. There's guys out there that wait. You know, it's like a guy and a, a girl gets divorced or she's having trouble with a, her husband. It's always that one guy. He's right in there. You know what I mean? Like they're weak. They're looking for something. Same thing with fighting. Guy loses. All of a sudden, everybody's an expert. You should have did this. You should have did that. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're not a grounded person, you start listening. And that's what happens, man. Right. And it, it kind of sucks, man. So well, I hope he I hope he gets it together, gets a couple of wins and gets back on track. But, you know, he's uh, not getting any younger either. I, I'm not in any position to tell Tony Ferguson what he should and shouldn't do. But one thing that was odd to me is uh, I, I did the unfiltered show with with Jim Norton filling in for, for Matt, who went out to uh, Houston yeah. for this event. And uh, Tony talked about, you know, sourcing information from Brock Lesnar and Marty Morgan. And, and they're fantastic people to talk to about a variety of subjects. But to me, even though they spent time on The Ultimate Fighter, I mean, Brock Lesnar and Marty Morgan really at the end of the day, this is going to sound maybe crazy, yeah. but Brock Lesnar had a very short time in mixed martial arts. I don't know if Brock Lesnar has all the advice for someone in Tony Ferguson's situation. Marty Morgan's a fantastic wrestling coach, you know, one of the best in the world yeah. at the University of Minnesota. I don't know if Marty Morgan's the guy that Tony Ferguson needs to, you know, go and talk to to get back to vintage Tony Ferguson, who won 12 straight fights and an interim title in the UFC. Yeah, but TJ, these are fixes that don't happen by a phone call. Right. You got to believe me on that. You got to get back to the gym, and it's not easy. But, you know, like, look, the guys that even last, like we were talking about, you know, uh, guys getting older and stuff, the guys that last – or like the guys like Henderson, they got one thing that they do good, and they they probably could do it till they're sixty, and that's hit you once and knock you out. You know what I'm saying? So right. those guys could survive a little bit when you don't have that finishing power. It's starting to look bad now, you know. And look at how many fights Ferguson was losing. Venata had him out. Lando right. had him out. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? Th th that's uh, one thing I will say, Ray, we were talking about this earlier, just you and I, uh, before Tony even fought tonight, was he has a fighting style where it feels like he's almost on borrowed time because he does get hit. He gets put in these bad crazy. situations. And I'm going to tell you another kid that I really, really like, and I'm saying it's, it's a little different, but the same thing is Shane Burgos. He's taken a lot of damage. Listen, how the fuck did that guy – how was he able to survive those leg kicks from a – the, probably the hardest kicker in the UFC. He's mentally tough. Yeah. And even when he went out, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. He's so freaking tough 
he almost convinced himself he wasn't knocked out. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he fooled it, like that ever. He fooled his own, you know, body's physiology, yeah, it seems. A hundred percent. And there's not many people that are going to be able to will themselves through their, their body shutting down when you're fighting someone the likes of, of Edson Barboza. He, he hit that spinning uh, wheel kick tonight uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, Barboza uh, is a guy that, you know, again, sort of like uh, Oliveira, has been around in the UFC for a very long time. And I think a lot of people had sort of thought that, you know, his uh, maybe his, his days of being a favorite against top 10 opposition uh, were behind him. But that was not the case uh, to tonight i mean talk about edson barboza and what he did to shane burgos oh, because th the way that he got the stoppage in the third round ray i love when people can get that finish in in yeah. in the la Listen, later rounds I, I hope that dana really looks at what happens like, they should be like four or five people with a seventy-five thousand oh, dollar bonus i mean i mean even barboza to be cheated out of that because of uh uh, you know, what happened with Chandler. I mean, that was phenomenal what he did. And again, and even in that third round, I believe Burgos, you know, like he's he's good. You know, we, he could have won. Who knows? I mean, but now he's getting into too many wars. And you take a guy like Burgos, imagine if he mixed in some wrestling with his striking, you know, where he could offset somebody because now he's, he's pretty one-dimensional. And he loves to, you know, he loves to prove that he could take a punch to give a punch. But it's getting crazy now. I mean, th what I saw tonight was nuts. I mean, I just, I really hope he's all right because that delay, TJ, I've never seen that in my life. I, and I'd love for somebody to show me like a boxing match or something where it's anything as close to that. It looked like he had a reflex that was a delay for some reason. Right. Uh, I mean, have, have you have you seen any knockout quite like that? Never, never. No, I thought he was faking. I thought really? uh, when, it, when it happened, I you know where my mind went to Scott Scott Smith against Drago. I thought he was luring him oh, in. Oh sure, right, yeah. I swear, I'm not even joking, yeah. DJ. That's what I thought, and then I go, then he just went out without right. even that little shot, like out. So I've never ever seen that ever. It was a it was the delay of a liver shot yep. with the actual knockout. Like that's a if you look at it, TJ, if you you put the jab in the overhand right. Cut out the first five seconds, right? And then it looks normal, right? Yeah, yeah. He gets hit. He goes back and he falls down. This was, wow. He's he's. I I swear to God, I think he's that tough. And I know I know people that know him. He's a hard worker, right? And this is what keeps him in. But now he's got to be careful. You don't want to keep. I mean, he's been in some wars his last couple of fights. Um, one hundred percent. Um. We're talking about Matt Sarah and Dean Thomas a little bit, by the way. Uh, they're out uh, in Texas uh, with Dana. Uh, they're headed to Fury FC 46 tomorrow, uh, which you can watch live on Fight Pass at 2.30 uh, Pacific time. They're filming another uh, installment wow. of, of Looking for a Fight. So uh, it's kind of like an interactive episode you can watch live on Fight Pass as uh, they're out there filming. But getting back to this knockout um, of Burgos, uh, your head went one way, you know, thinking about Drago and, and, and Scott Smith. Mine went another way, and upon looking at it, it wasn't nearly uh, as identical to this knockout, but there was a little bit uh, of a similarity, and we got to go back to, uh, I think, 2005 or six. Justin Eilers fighting Paul Buntello. It's very quick, but you see Eilers stumble and take a step back, and, and then he goes out. We can look at the, uh, the replay. It's nowhere near what we saw tonight with Burgos, but it, it was interesting that, Eilers seemed to like take multiple steps backwards and then face plant. But yeah. tonight, I, I wish we could show it, Ray, because it's the only way we can actually, you know, really articulate wh what happened tonight uh, between Shane yeah. Burgos and, and Edson Barboza. Because uh, our producer, Steve, sent me a text message. It was like, what? Did, did the cage knock him out? Because it, it seemed like the cage knocked him out more than the, the strikes because there was that much time removed. Yeah, oh, it, I'm crazy. Even looking at Islas, but he he still stumbled and fell. Right. He didn't really. He really wasn't. No, this guy was Burgos, down. Burgos had his hands up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah he this didn't guy his just hands. all of a sudden his brain said, "Whoa, hey, Shane, you've right. been out for five seconds. Right. Like, you got to go down. Like it was crazy. It's like really, really crazy. It's like you can't deny the physiology of your body. Like uh, whatever. He I'll tell you one thing. Off. He's going to go down in history for a guy that did it for four or five seconds. 
a serious, I mean, he was on autopilot. You want to talk about being out on your feet? Like, I, I don't know yeah. what that was, Ray. Like, I would love to talk to him when, when everything sort of settles down to see what he remembers because he yeah. seemed, he seemed clear. He seemed like his eyes were clear too. And then, right. Well, it was, uh, I, I kind of talked to a doctor and, uh, I, I just was brief. She didn't see it, so I was right. explaining to her. But she said there's an optic nerve that could have got hit, and there is a delay with that. But she said it's pretty pretty scary, though. Either way, it's scary. Yeah. Um, so there I mean, is maybe an explanation for it. But she said very rare. But, you know, without looking at it, that's what I she thought I was describing to her. I mean, like, I feel if that was in a video game, we would criticize the video game for not being realistic. You know what I mean? But yeah, tr yeah. truth is stranger than fiction. No, no question about that. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking a little bit about um, the, the bonuses and, and obviously tonight uh, the bonuses were uh, upped a little bit. Tony Ferguson got uh, in the ear of Dana White and was like, I'm, I'm not feeling those $50,000 performance of the night bonuses. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more. And, and Dana, uh, you know, caved and said, sure, let's, let's bump them up to 75,000. Um, you know, obviously this is a sport that I adore because the athletes can go out there and, and just turn the entire sport on its head, can completely change the narrative of what you think they are, where they fit in, and walk away uh, with the biggest win of their career on any given night and also walk away with one of the biggest paydays uh, of their night. What are your right. thoughts on the performance of the night bonus structure as a whole? And then also, is there a difference between 50000 and 75000 Because tonight we had that 75000 on the table and it seemed like an extra special night of action. I think it's. I think that's a pretty nice difference. I think if he would have said sixty thousand, that wouldn't be good. Right. Fifty really was starting to sound too low. I mean, especially what happened this last year, inflation is through the roof. So I think the seventy-five is appropriate. You know, if you're used to making a hundred and you made a hundred and seventy-five, I think that's a pretty nice, uh, nice thing. Even on top of anything, I think that was nice that he did that, and uh, I just hope the right people get the bonuses. That's the other, you know. Yeah, we'll try to get that information uh, as it becomes available for us here live on Extra Rounds. Getting back to uh, Edson Barboza, uh, you know, he's starting to come into a bit of a renaissance in his career, uh, now fighting at 145 pounds. Um, you know, he, he hit that uh, wheel kick tonight. Um, you know, he, he was really, uh, you know, brilliant. Uh, but it looked like maybe the kicking attack was something he was going to have to get away from because he, his shin was cut open, Ray. He was bleeding quite a bit, and it made me sort of think think, you know, with, with Barboza, you know, slicing open his own leg, uh, you know, obviously what happened to, to, to Weidman a few weeks ago, is there ever a point where your kicks become too powerful that you need to throw them or, or you need to not throw them as effectively because, you know, the, the offensive kicker can also walk away with just as bad, if not worse, obviously, of, of an injury than their target? Uh, May, bring up a great point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. I'm going to say, yeah, sometimes you're better off maybe pulling back a little bit, and I'm talking in hindsight, obviously, and just right. placing the kick better. But those guys normally have really good shins, man, and they, they normally could take a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of what happened to Chris. I mean, right. yeah, is, is there bad, a way to but, warm uh, up to that? Like, is, is there a way to, nah, like... Well, I mean, the only thing is you got to really condition your shin to where it's really desensitized. But I think you even see, I, I think we saw even Jose Aldo, who was a vicious leg yeah. kicker, just go away from it, probably for the reasons you're saying. You don't get a, it's not, it's not a one-way street. Right. It's just not, you know what I mean? And, you know, I mean, I've seen Thai guys, they're icing their shins after the fight. It's not like, they, you know, they have shins of steel, but it's nothing's for free. And I think that's one thing, too, that you mentioned, you know, you know, desensitizing your shins, conditioning them. That's just making it so you don't feel it as much. It doesn't mean that the damage right. is really getting any better. Right. Um, exactly. And those cuts on the shin are, are pretty dangerous. They're yeah. not, you know, I've seen a, there was a local fight where it went down to the bone. That thing took a long time to heal and it wasn't a, it wasn't a joke. I uh, I have shin splints, Ray, so I, I don't even need to kick anything to just have the worst kind yeah. of pain. Uh, looking at uh, performance of the night bonuses, uh, Burgos and uh, Barboza getting fight of the night. Uh, performance of the night going to uh, Charles Oliveira, obviously, uh, definitely deserving, and uh, Christos Iagos, who uh, kicked off the night uh, by getting a stoppage 
uh, early on in the preliminary portion. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Caitlin Chukagian. You know, she's in a tough situation being a top-ranked fighter who's fought already for the championship in, you know, the entire uh, division below her. It's, in essence, their title eliminator fight every time they fight her. She's not the champion, but, you know, every person that she stands in front of uh, inside the octagon has got to be gunning for her because she's essentially what could lead them uh, to a fight with uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Tonight, it was Viviane Araujo. Um, it was a fight that, that goes 15 minutes. Um, I, I was very confident how I felt uh, the scorecards uh, were going to be turned in. I thought that Chukagian uh, did enough. It was uh, an interesting uh, bit of a decision when you look at the media scores, Ray. How did you feel about uh, this fight? We'll get to the media scores in a moment, but I want your thoughts on how you scored this bout after, after 15 minutes. Uh, look, it was a close fight, right? But the third round was obviously uh, total uh, Caitlin, right? But mm -hmm. the second round... I think they gave, uh, they only gave, probably gave uh, Viviana the second round. But the first round was pretty close. I think the way they were calling it, I mean, look, I'm, I, lo I love Caitlin, so I'm going to give uh, every round, you know sure. what I mean? But uh, the way they were calling it, I think they had a behind, uh, you know, down two rounds. Uh, second round for sure because of the, you know, the near submission attempt and the control time on top. The first round was pretty close, man. Uh, and, and the volume went to, I think I looked at the stats when they put them up, went to Viviana. So I think it was a great win for Caitlin, but it was, uh, I think it was obviously competitive, but third round was the widest discrepancy in the fight. Caitlin I, just, she picked it up and just ran away with it. I'm happy to hear you say that you, you thought it was as close as you did, because I, I felt that it, it was a fight that clearly belonged to uh, Chukagian, but maybe, Ray, I, I'm falling in love with recency bias in the in the sense that the third round was definitely hers. This is a sport where I think uh, close decisions sometimes get lost uh, in the narrative with you know how dominant that third round was, which sort of articulates the fact that not every 10-9 is created equally, right? Like, you, yeah. you win a 10-9 in the first round, and uh, it's razor thin. Some people might argue a 10-10, and then you clearly win a fight in, or clearly win a round later in the fight that is by no means a toss-up, but it's the same score. Right. And, that's um, the crazy part, right? That is interesting. That's the problem. It should almost be an asterisk, right? That, you know, even – like I, I really – I believe even like Marab and Cody Stamen, you know, I thought Marab won every round, but – they were close rounds. It wasn't like he was blowing them out, I don't think. I mean, they were close, but you had to give the round to Marab. Right. So even though he wins 30-27 on one or two cards, I think, it, it's not indicative of really what happened in a fight. I think that's what you're saying, too. But uh, the, the scary part, I think, was somebody gave – I don't – 30-27 for Caitlin, I think, is pretty wacky. Right. Man. I mean, if you don't give the other girl the second round, you got to – I, I kind of get it. I think Caitlin got up and maybe tried to steal it, but I don't think it was enough to do that. So No, and uh, um, th that's what I was getting at with the, the media scores because yeah. you have one judge in the building tonight inside Toyota Center that does score the bout 30-27 for Chukagian. And, um, you know, it, it was a unanimous decision, but nobody yeah. besides that judge had a 30-27. Looking over yeah, at... No, uh, one of the best resources on Fight Night for me is MMADecisions.com, and it's a yep. website that gathers all the media scores. And they were pretty split. They uh, had it 9-8 uh, to eight for Ada Ujo uh, to get the decision. Wow. Um, but, again, that's just one off. We're talking about a very close fight. I, yeah, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was a competitive close fight, 100%. Right. But not one of those media scores had it 30-27. No, that, that, that's crazy. It, I, again, I understand, you know, Texas is a, a – a state that doesn't get a lot of you know major UFCs uh, every year. Um, you know, it's a a younger athletic commission uh, in a few ways. But you know, when you look at the judges, I don't know the judging question. I can probably look that up in a, in a moment. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to say that where you should be calling for this judge's head. But I I do like to think that there's some uh, at least transparency, Ray, on the regulatory side yes. of things to be like, what did you see, yes. man? I'm not mad at you, but I just want to know why you scored a 32. Um, uh, TJ, I think that's fair. And, I, you know, I've been calling for this for the last 20 years at this point. But I think that's fair. Just tell us tell us what you what you saw, because right. in doing that, then we can make the decision. 
oh, wow, is that what you saw? You're going back down to the farm league. Or, right. oh, that's what you saw? Okay, I get that. Yeah, she kind of stole around. I see, okay, at least you're giving us something. Right. But what, what, what are the commissions protecting, though? It, it's I, weird. It, 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 it's it, awful. It's actually right. awful. And, man, if you're going to uh, – uh, whatever, we're right. going to be – well, it's like pissing uphill. So here's my thing, Ray. I don't think that we're going to see the transparency that you and I want anytime soon. But yeah. one thing that we have seen, you know, only really in the state of Kansas is, is open scoring. And if you're not right. going to, like, make the judges defend their decisions, I don't even care if it's in public. But if you're not even going to do it behind closed doors, you got to give me the ability as a, a fighter, a trainer, a fan, a commentator to at least understand or see what the judges are seeing real time so the fighters that are involved can make the adjustments and go, okay, that was a really close round. They finished with a takedown, so they got that round. I got to make sure I don't give a takedown up then in this you know latter part of this next round. Just This is the only sport where we don't have scoreboards, Ray, and it's crazy to think about any other sport uh, in the world uh, where you yeah. get to the end of the game and you don't know if you're winning or not. Yeah, I got I to gotta think about that because how would that have helped tonight? Right with the, even the Caitlin fight, that girl she sees that she lost that second round in her head. She's gonna go, what? The, I mean, well, I she needs go to sell nuts. out in the third. She needs to sell out in the third well, round yeah. if she knows that one of the judges have already wrapped it up for Caitlin. You know, uh, I mean, look, it was it was close enough to where they both had to sell out, and Caitlin sure. did. Man, she went for it. You know what I mean? And and I'm gonna tell you something. It came down to conditioning. Caitlin was the better conditioned athlete, and that's why she was able to push. And the other girl was exhausted by the end of the second round. She did a great job trying to hang in in the third. But, yeah, they could have told her anything, TJ, right. while you lost that round. It just would have – I just think – I don't know. I'm not. So, so you're not buying I, the I, fact I, that open scoring changes the narrative a bit? Oh, it changes the narrative. I'm just not sure Does it change if the it's fight? helpful. Yeah, I don't know if it's a helpful narrative sure. when you're in that situation. Shit's happening at well, really rapid fire. You know, like that minute in between rounds to get a point across, that goes like five seconds. You know, it's it's tough, man. You got to start looking up and seeing who scored and then thinking about that, changing what you have to tell the guy. I think a good corner is going to they, – they had to tell that girl you got to burn the place down. Well, you know, it's close. Well, you want to win, you got to put a stamp on it. Just like Mark, Mark told Caitlin. I want to see attitude. You got to go out there and show everybody you, you're a winner. Right. That, that's one thing I will agree. It's not like a fighter is ever going out in the third round going, you know what? I could probably get the finish here, but I'm, I'm not going to you know, get my hand raised right. by stoppage. Um, but one thing that I, I do like about open scoring in Kansas is it's up to the corners whether or not they want to tell their athlete what oh, the I score is. And, and that's you know one thing that I think is very true. It is a case-to-case -case situation because some fighters might break in that moment. If they yeah, know, that makes it better. Right. I like that better. Yeah, that, that's a little different. That's what I was saying. Like, you think you had a really good round and you see these idiots scored it against you. I don't I don't know how that helps you right. uh, except drive you insane. So I like that. If it, Yeah, if the corners know, that's a different story. Then they could, you know, they could schmooze it any way they want with the fighter. They you know they have the relationship with them to do that. I like I like that part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that the athletic commissions need to uh, really give it a a solid look because you know I mean it's so funny Ray when we get on the at the beginning of every broadcast and John Anik lets us know what version of the unified rules the different athletic commission that they're in uh, subscribes to like. Can we just stop using those words, unified rules? Because if yeah. we're if we're not agreeing to the same rule set, right. what exactly nothing's is unified? Good. Nothing's you. Nothing's unified. I, exactly. I, I just don't get it. I just I I don't know what needs to be done. But that's the thing. I, I hope that because you know Kansas did enact this open scoring, that the other commissions at least have a meeting about it. Like I, I know. But think about TJ Kansas. When the hell was the last? major event in kansas i mean lfa is there throughout the pandemic and, and vic has been there north, but the, the north, ufc hasn't north, been north, there north, in a while yeah north dakota uses that too north and south dakota when the hell was the last i mean i don't know man see you could bang your head against the desk you'll get a better you, nothing's changing these guys uh that's a that's really listen i say it with judges and refs 
it's the only job you could have where you could probably kill somebody and not get fired. I mean, I don't, I just don't even, no one ever gets fired. No, I mean, uh, on the regulatory side of things, Ray, the last person that I can actually recall that sort of went away that we, you know, saw a lot and then we just never saw again, Steve Mazzagatti. You know, like he, he was a yeah, ref for yeah, a yeah. very long time and, you know, he, he went away. And uh, I think he's still, I think he's still reffing, though. He's just not reffing for the UFC. I saw be. him at an event. I saw him at like a kickboxing event for sure. Right. Probably I, was about four years ago, but. I mean, that that may very well be the case. I haven't been to Vegas in a long time to see a non-UFC yeah, event. And, and, we, and we, we lost and we lost the other guy. Well, when Dana starts going berserk, who's the other guy that said he was? <laughs> Yamazaki. Right? Oh, yeah. Mario Yamazaki. He's gone, too. He went to the gulag. Uh, I mean, th that's the one thing that I think is, is really bad, especially like in, in my uh, industry of broadcasting. When you start to get comfortable, that's when you start to say dumb things. And I don't yeah, think anybody yeah. should ever be comfortable, especially when your job is no. that important. When I mean, and that's the thing about mixed martial arts refereeing and, and judging as well uh, when it comes to the monetary side of things. If you make a mistake, you're denying people half of their money. Uh, Reffing yeah. is amplified even more so when it comes to, uh, you know, fighting safety um we, we saw i think it was carrie hatley tonight in the uh match Schnell and uh hogerio bontor and uh about just allow match Schnell to fight for the better part of two minutes without his mouthpiece in and um it, it's a tricky situation because i can't get mad no, at that. somebody for not seeing something but right. you know D daniel cormier brought up a great point like why isn't there someone that can articulate or relay a message to the referee look you need to pick up the mouthpiece yeah. Uh, yeah, I was watching that. Uh, the, there really wasn't any lulls in the action, though, either. And they, even if he had that mouthpiece, they have to wait for something to stop before. Right. And I and I think that guy was staying aggressive enough. Where, but if there were a couple of spots in there, there were a couple. That, of that spots. was a little tricky. But I yeah. think there were a couple times where those spots happened, Ray and Kerry Hatley still didn't know that the mouthpiece was missing. You know what I mean? Right, and, right. and that's the real difficulty. Anytime a mouthpiece goes uh, flying, I, I'm always reminded of this this fight that happened in uh, WEC with Razor Rob McCullough and uh, Olaf Alfonso. Uh, if there are any you know referees watching right now, this is not what you do when the mouthpiece goes flying. At the beginning of the second round here, Razor Rob knocks the mouthpiece out. And look oh, at John man. Shorley. John Shorley decides to go pick up the mouthpiece. Meanwhile, uh, he's in nowhere... Close <laughs> to proximity to save Olaf Alfonso. Yeah. So don't Olaf, do that. Yeah, that's not good. That's actually funny. Poor Olaf Alonso. He's a little bit wacky. Reminded me of Luke Como, that guy. It's oh, nuts. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? Like, he, he's a guy that, like, starts telling you stories, and you're just like, this can't be real. Like, this cannot be a true story. <laughs> and then you look it up, and like, okay, like, there's some factual truth to this. I don't know. Yeah. The, 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 you ever see that movie, uh, Big Fish? You might not have seen this. It came out like 20 years ago. It's like this, this uh, kid's dad tells him all these like really far-fetched stories, and he never believes them. And then after his dad passes away, he finds out all those stories were real. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a good like movie. It's a feel-good movie. That sounds good. Go look at it. Uh, let's take a look at the odds here and uh, how they ended up uh, closing. These were your uh, pre-fight odds, courtesy of DraftKings. Um, not a ton of movement, but we did see uh, some movement uh, closing. Um, we saw Benil Dariush move up as a, a bigger favorite against Tony Ferguson. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian closed at a dollar higher than uh, it was when we uh, broke down the fight on Wednesday. Uh, Edson Barboza cashes in at uh, plus 125. Um, and then Bontorin uh, cashed in at plus 135. Uh, so the underdogs were in business tonight. And uh, over at DraftKings, they believe that life is more fun with some skin in the game. You can get in on the action with daily fantasy sports betting and free-to-play pools. Download any of the DraftKings apps today using promo code UFC. Uh, Ray, I actually uh, played a little DraftKings tonight, the daily fantasy, and uh, did not do very well. Oh, wow. Sorry, did, sorry to hear that. Did it, you did you uh, did you make a call to Yanni and get his input? I, you know, I should have. I should have. Nah, I, come uh, on, you got where's Yanni? I put Tony Ferguson on my team. Yeah, it, it was so cheap in the payroll, and I was just like, yeah, all right. That's tricky. That's tricky. It's tough. It's really tough. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of the comments tonight uh, about 
Khabib Nurmagomedov. And obviously you're going to get them when, you know, we have a new champion at 155 and he's undisputed. Uh, you can't argue um, really that Charles Oliveira deserves the title. And yes, I understand that Khabib might be the best 155-pound fighter on the planet right now. But that said, he's not an active fighter. Any idea, anything, I, I know you're uh, a guy that is essentially just leave Khabib alone. He did the right thing. But yeah. a new champion, can it reignite the fire of, of the Eagle? Would Khabib consider coming back now that Charles Oliveira is wearing his belt? No, that's not going to – I don't think that's enough to ignite his fire. And, and think of what he did, right? Right. There's only certain athletes that go out on top in every sport. But, man, the fact that he, what he did, what he did, you, nev he ne you never remember him having a bad day. Yeah. I, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I think he, there's a chance he will come back, but I don't think this is, uh, is going to make it. I think if – I'm going to say if Chandler would have finished that fight in the front, uh, first round – that might have been more enticing. Chandler's a wrestler. He had two first-round finishes against good guys, maybe. But uh, I don't think all of I don't think that's enough for Khabib to come out. I think there's only one thing that might make Khabib come out anytime soon, and that is if somehow Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier in devastating fashion, and Khabib is the first name on the mic out of his mouth. Because I that, think, but, but listen, I don't know. I, I might be reaching think that ship sale, but I, I listen. I think if he doesn't need money, and he seems like again, he seems like he's got a different set of values than the rest of the world. Uh, I don't think that he's he's not going to make McGregor a, a, a cent richer. I don't believe he'll do that. Right. And Connor would have to really do something special. I mean, he's already now he just lost. A, I don't think that's enough to do it. Definitely I, not. I'm with you. Um, I mean, uh, Dane is going to want that for sure. It's sure. a matchmaker's dream. That we, I agree with that. A matchmaker's dream. But just the fact that he lost the last one, uh, what's you well, know he got he got finished by Khabib. They'd have to really come up with a scenario they th think they could sell, and they have to convince Khabib to come back. And again, I think his dislike of McGregor is so much that he wouldn't want to see him benefit from anything. No, I think you're 100% right. I think people actually underestimate the idea that Khabib would rather not fight Connor because Connor would make money off of it. He'd benefit from it. Right. Just principally, I think he's not doing that. Right. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, I get a, a tear in my eye every single time the UFC plays the promo where Khabib says, Tonight was my last fight. I promised my mother that this yeah, would be yeah, my yeah. last fight. And it's like, I'll, I, like, don't get me wrong. He comes back in a year, two years, five years from now. I'll be excited. But yeah. part of me is going to be like, Man, you, you're, you coming back is taking away one of the greatest moments in mixed martial arts history and the best in my opinion, retirement. Like, we always say no one goes undefeated in the sport. Well, they do right now. Could yeah, 100%. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'll tell you, here's the way the scenario could play out, if you want to know. But I, I love when he retired. Not that I really didn't want to see him retire because he's a great guy. But hearing him talk like that, I, I thought that was uh, absolutely fantastic. But here's the way I see it playing out. If it's going to play out, somebody does something – Really shitty to that guy, Islam, Islam Maklachev. Is right, that the yep, way yep. his name? Mikashev, and it's a dirty, yeah. underhanded thing, and the guy loses the fight. I could see him coming out to defend that guy's honor. That's it. I think that's who the guy is, right. and that's the way I see that going down. If that's going to happen, something happens to his brother-in-arms, and he comes out of retirement to set the record straight. Yeah, that, that is one thing that, I mean, is Khabib to a T. The guy's incredibly yeah. loyal, and he, you know, he yeah, has his crew. I, that's the only thing I think that drags him out. Somebody, this guy loses, and it's a shitty, and there's, you know, there's animosity. Then I see it, and that would be a fantastic storyline. Right, yeah. Um, you know, when he first retired, I thought that we were going to see him fight George St. Pierre. I thought that would be the super fight that would be able to make a lot of sense. I think that's a fight that could change the world in a lot of ways when it comes to, you know, how Khabib wants to uh, change the the life of many uh, in Dagestan. You know, that's a type of yeah. uh, fight that could, you know, he could take a lot of money and, and give back there. But it, it doesn't seem like Khabib has any urge or desire to prove any sort of point. 
And that is something that is really amazing. And that I think is probably the, the product of, of going 29 and 0. And, uh, it might be a long time, might not happen again in our lifetime, Ray, that anybody fights 29 times, you know, at the highest level in mixed martial arts and, uh, walks away with that O intact. Well, John, John Jones could do it too. He's got a one. I mean, yeah, it's not real. I don't agree with matter. it. Speaking of Steve yeah, Mazzagatti, but he's got that one. I, you know, I, I really would. I, I'm not a big fan of of changing history. You know, the the referee's decision, in my opinion, should be final. Uh, you know, going and getting it overturned a decade plus later uh, seems silly. But this is a a, a sport where, uh, you know, uh. uh an O in your record means a lot. And even though that you and I know the truth, the John Jones had no business losing that fight. Uh, there's an argument to be made to really try to do what you need to do to get that expunged because there's yeah. no way John Jones has ever truly lost a fight. Maybe he lost right, to Dominic right. Reyes, but the judges didn't yeah. think so. So I mean, yeah. look, the difference is Khabib doesn't have the controversy. So I think it's publicly expunged, right? In my that that would be my guess. But all the other bullshit that this guy's pulled doesn't make up for that loss. So it doesn't even yeah. It's a, you know that's yeah. that's where the problem is. He's been caught cheating right. a couple of times, and he's been suspended. You know, so that right. that that eliminates everything. Khabib's a different animal. That man. is he true. Should, if it, if and it was, he should be held, and he should be held in esteem for what he did. If it was Wonder Boy, if it was Wonder Boy, they would have got rid of that that one immediately. Uh, Everyone wants uh, to, you know, help out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's the nicest guy in the sport, but John uh, Jones, not so much. A hundred percent. Nice guys finish first. Remember that. I, I thought it was the other way around. I thought they finished last. Yeah, but, you know, that's but we're changing that. I like that. I like I like you trying to change that. Um, you know. What you saw tonight, UFC 262, phenomenal for a variety of reasons. The people in Houston were absolutely loving it. Um, again, we talk about, you know, what have you done for me lately in this sport? We're living in the afterglow of this great event. 261 wasn't bad either. Uh, can the UFC sort of keep this run moving forward? I mean, I, I know Arizona's already sold out. Can't wait to see what uh, happens out there. But as we get back to, uh, you know, a, a regular rotation of cities and venues for the UFC, uh, it seems like there's some magic in the air thus far, Ray. Well, it's going to look, it's going to carry on for a little bit. It'll level off, obviously, but for the first six months to a year, I mean, like my daughter went into the city tonight, and like three weeks ago, the trains were empty tonight. She said they were packed, right. you know, so people, this is beyond cabin fever, Yeah, what people have been through. So, yeah, they're going to have success no matter where they go at this point. What about Vegas when it opens oh, up? Man. And they do it, I mean, you know, what about New York when that, it, it, so there's so many other cities that they could do this with, you know, the problem with what's happening now, you can't do three big shows in a row at Houston. That would be interesting. Could you sell out the you know, the Toyota Center four shows in a row? That's different. I you know, I don't you know could, about Ray. That. I wonder if you could. I mean, it's a you big might, enough, it's you, a, might, you might be able to. It's a big enough city to think that there were a lot of people that didn't get tickets tonight that probably wanted yeah, to yeah. go. Yeah, um, it, 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 it's, it's a possibility because yeah. I'm going to tell you something. People, they're rich in to do something. They yeah. really are so. They're going to have really, really big success with the box office and, the, you know, the gate uh, for, for, for a while, I think. Yeah. I, I think it'll match as long as the pandemic was. So we've been locked down kind of for a year. It'll, it'll last a year because people right. are li literally dying to do something. I, uh, I, last weekend on Sunday, I, uh, we're all vaccinated. Um, we went to this hotel on a Sunday night to just because most people don't stay in a hotel. Um, we went to a local hotel, nobody in the pool. My son and my wife left the house for the first time in a year. And wow. they were like bewildered, Ray. Like honestly, I've been going, wow, I've been going all over the place. I've been to Mexico a bunch during this yeah, yeah, uh, working yeah, yeah, fights. Yeah. Um, it, it was really kind of strange to see my family get out again for the first time uh, um, in over a year. Well, I'm happy for you. That's great. Yeah, because I've heard that. Look, this thing was weird, right? I took it serious, but you know, I kind of was going to the gym after like five weeks. I wasn't letting nobody in. I was just right. working out with maybe one other person. So I never really felt the total impact. The first six weeks were bizarre. Right. You know, in my yeah. house. But so, man, but for a year, and I did hear a couple other people, they've took it very, very serious. And 
that's uh man i'm glad they got out the that's, only that's nice. the, the only time they left in all of that raise we actually moved we moved houses during uh the pandemic which was not great i was the one who looked at all the houses they didn't even come to see where we were yeah, moving wow. and uh yeah well, it's it, very interesting what's really crazy to me is to look on like facebook now and you see the memories and uh you know like i took photos a year ago of like no toilet paper in the store and no bread in the yeah, store yeah, and it's yeah. like Man, what a weird, like, it definitely oh, got really? more tolerable uh, from a standpoint of, like, getting groceries and goods and stuff. But That, that, yeah. that first month was bizarre. Wiping Seriously. down the groceries coming in. You didn't want to look at anybody, you know. No. I don't know. You Ray Longo I mean, became a hippie. Fun. It was weird. All right, what happened to me? I just grew my hair for a year. That was crazy. That'll never happen again. I, I, why don't you get I like lost, a? You, you should. I you, lost my. I actually lost my mind. I'm surprised you didn't get like a shampoo sponsorship during all of that. <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny? Like we, you know, Elias Theodoro. He's got a Per Plus uh, sponsorship. Oh, he brought in Per shampoo for me one time. I go, this is unbelievable. That's hilarious. This is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, now what I'm shampoo. thinking? Now that we're out of the uh, the uh, the pandemic, you know, I'm not yet, but very close. Time for Ray Longo to, you know, follow Elias Theodoro and get that Ring Boy uh, career started. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no? You want to you chase away people at the fights? Do that. I, I'll people, tell you what. You know that time I had Mizuki fighting in Invicta? Yeah. She saw Elias, man. She had, like, Google eyes. She's just looking. And I don't even know if she knew him from the UFC. Or, right. I never saw her like that. And then she took a picture with him. And she was out of control, man. I thought it was funny. But. That that is Nobody. funny. He's the best round card boy you could have. That guy. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, I definitely know that that's not in my future. Unfortunately. Yeah. Th not, that not mine I'm telling you, Ray. You might be able to do it. You don't definitely have to take not. your shirt off. Oh, that not everybody. Even be worse. Not everybody That'd has to do it the same way that Elias does. Uh, anything yeah. else, Ray? Any uh, anything you want to hit on the way out here? Uh, I think that's it, man. This was good. We had uh, great fights, great chat. Uh, Dean Thomas is the real winner tonight. That man deserves Dean a bonus. Thomas is crushing it, man. Seriously, and he used he used this podcast as his launching pad. This is crazy. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go with that. I think we uh, we we need him to thank us when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame one day. Like <laughs> I'll tell you, what, he was on fire tonight. Great guy, happy for him, and uh, doing a great job. No, one hundred percent. The way that he broke down the the Tony Ferguson thing, I think, was was yeah. really spot on. So, yeah. uh, Ray, I appreciate your time, sir. Um, what what what's next for you? Are you traveling anytime soon? Uh, I'm at the. Oh, matter of fact, thanks thanks for asking. I'm leaving for the Mohegan Sun next week. I have that Aviv Ghazali okay. fighting in Bellator. Got it. A nice young nice young kid. He's undefeated. I think he's just turned twenty. Uh, great jujitsu. Uh, he's getting a little better with the stand-up. Like, again, it's going to take – I told him you're, you're a year away from, like, anything. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm excited for him. And then I think I'm I'm home for a while. Well, I'm, I'm hoping maybe we can get the crew together in Vegas for fight week. You never know. Like, I don't know where everything's going to be at that time. I'm but down. I'm crossing my fingers, you know. Like, I need to go have some fun. I need I'm to get down. out of here. So, uh, I'm down. Let's do it. Well, we will definitely talk before that. Ray, appreciate the time, sir. Thanks for staying up late uh, for a great night of fights, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. You're the best, TJ. I'll talk to you next week. All good, Ray. Thank you, sir. He's Ray Take Longo, easy, joining me all the time here for Extra Rounds. Sorry, people tuning in, uh, looking for Pearl Gonzalez. She's uh, not here tonight, but I'm sure she'll be back. Uh, coming up real soon. We need to take a break. We'll come back and uh, I'll get you caught up on anything you may have missed on this broadcast, but also some things you need to look forward to on UFC Fight Pass. Stick around. It's extra rounds. It's been a long journey for the true believers who championed MMA before it was fashionable. Through the ups and downs, Many have come and gone, while two iconic brands stayed in the fight. I'm turning the page and breaking away. The UFC and Venom are pioneers of combat sports, bold innovators, and history makers who shape the future by delivering what fans want and what fighters need. Today, with mixed martial arts surging in global popularity, the UFC and Venom have joined forces, and the next evolution in combat sports is just getting 
started. I'm just getting started. You can knock me down. Never knock me out. Came back feeling brand new. Tell me how you like me now. When you find the perfect fit, it just feels right. How about you thought it was done? Really, we only begun. Yeah. See Fight Kids by Venom. Inspired by the journey, evolved for the future. We are back here on Extra Rounds, and if you missed it, Charles Dobronx Oliveira is the new UFC lightweight champion of the world. He stops Michael Chandler 19 seconds into round number two tonight after dropping the first round, and it's been a long time coming for Dobronx. Again, a quick look at his bio. 31 and 8 as a MMA pro, made his UFC debut back in 2010, where he uh, defeated Darren Elkins via armbar. And, uh, you know, he's won 10 of his last 11 fights. And the guy is a finishing machine. 28 of his 31 wins come by way of stoppage. And what better time than right now to head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out the championship collection of one Charles Dobronx Oliveira. You know, his UFC career has spanned. Two different weight classes and uh, the best lightweight in the world right now for my money. Again, yes, you can point to Khabib, but it's not an option. So figure out how we got here and relive some of that history right now over on UFC Fight Pass, the championship collection available from Joe Bronx, Charles Oliveira. All right. Uh, what else? What else do I need to tell you? Um, Normally here with Pearl Gonzalez, our show is generally on Wednesdays, and then again, pretty much every single fight night. And if you're thinking, uh, you know, I'm checking this out on uh, Facebook, I can't listen live, but I'd, I'd love to take the show with me, we got you covered. need to uh, check out all of our uh, podcasts available now on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, the video version of the show archived over on UFC Fight Pass as well as Facebook.com forward slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also get in touch with us whenever you want to uh, on social media uh, at UFC Fight Pass, at TJ DeSantis, at Ray Longo MMA. And uh, if you want to give us a call anytime, you can do so. 917 UFC Talk is the number 917 832 8255. You can also text that as well. Would love to hear your thoughts on everything revolving around uh, the sport of mixed martial arts. All right, that's it. Subscribe to the podcast. Keep it locked on Twitter, Facebook, and the like for all updates on everything from Extra Rounds. For Ray Longo, I'm TJ DeSantis. Thanks for staying up late, listening, watching, and going a few extra rounds courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. We'll chat soon. UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.